702, your number one news and talk station. It is coming up now to six minutes past five. If you have just joined us, a very good morning to you. My name is Errol Ballantyne, and it is early morning breakfast on the Saturday, the 11th of June. Uh, this is our health and well-being hour now until six o'clock. Um, and just let me give you the format, what's going to be happening. It will be a telephonic discussion. Um, the, one of the problems is that we don't have a call screener uh, on hand this morning. So uh, the person who's doing the controlling, Karabo, she's running backwards and forwards from one studio to the next studio um, to take your calls and uh, to get everybody connected. So um, it's going to be, if, you, if you're phoning through to speak to, to Dr. Eddie Wolf, who we're going to get up now, if you're phoning through to speak to him and the, the phone rings for a while, uh, we'll either call you back um, or, or we will put you through. But, um, yeah, it could take just a few minutes. So, you know, kind of hang in there because Karabo is just charging around from one studio to the next so we're going to be getting Eddie uh, Wolf up on the line now, Dr. Eddie Wolf, Professor Eddie Wolf, who is a clinical psychologist, and we're going to be talking about depression and anything else really in that in the related uh, to that that you want to discuss. Anybody that you know maybe who is suffering from depression, you may be one of those people as well who's who's suffering from depression. And if you are, how do you know it's depression? Uh, what do you have to do about it? And how does it impact on the rest of, of your family? And what should your family be doing? What is what is their role? So we're going to be discussing that with uh, Eddie Wolf as soon as we get him on the air, which will just be a couple of minutes from now. And that'll take us through to 6 o'clock this morning. You can SMS your questions as well through to Eddie at, uh, for Eddie rather, at 013-31702 or 31567. Numbers to dial are 11 or 021-446-0567. Just while we're waiting for that to come through, getting SMSs through about voting for Hillary or for Donald, um, and people are saying, yes, vote, vote for Hillary. Somebody says, <clears throat> how many Americans will immigrate should Trump win the election? Yeah, I have no idea. I think there are, I think that there are a lot of people there are millions and millions who support trump but i think when when it comes to actually election time i have little doubt that hillary will get it but i could be completely wrong you know um i just i I don't know but i think that's quite possible i'm hoping that hillary will win because it'll bring a bit of sanity but uh, you know you've got to be there to kind of appreciate the whole situation will it make a difference to the to the planet if Donald Trump comes in, maybe not. It'll make a difference to international relations. I would, I would guess that that is true. We're just battling to get hold of our guest, but uh, it won't be long. Um, one of the things I wanted to just share with you quickly while we're waiting was an article that I saw about Japan's first naked restaurant. It opens in Tokyo next month with draconian rules of entry. Podgy prospective diners will be weighed and and ejected if it's found that they are too fat. Following the lead of establishments in London and Melbourne, the Amrita, which is the name of the res- restaurant, has strict age restrictions with only patrons between 18 and 60 allowed in. Uh, after that, they check their clothes and put on paper underwear provided by the restaurant. News agency AFP is reporting if you're more than 15 kilos above the average weight for your height, you'll not be allowed to make a reservation. 
and tattooed customers are also barred from entry. I mean, how bizarre is that? It's Japanese, Japan's first naked restaurant opening in Tokyo. You cannot have any tattoos. You cannot be more than 15 kilos above the average weight for your height. Um, and you must be between the ages of 18 and 60. And after you take off all your kit, you put on paper underwear, which is provided by the restaurant. Presumably disposable. Uh, but it follows the leads of establishments in London and Melbourne, which I find quite bizarre. I had no idea that they had those kind of restaurants in London and Melbourne. I'd like to know if anybody has, has been to one of those. Uh, would you go to a restaurant like that? Would you go to a naked restaurant? Well, just to have a look, of course, yes, you would, I guess. Some people would be very horrified by it, but it isn't. It's what the public wants, eh? Clearly, there must be a market for it because if there wasn't, they wouldn't open a particular restaurant like that. But they have done, and it seems to be going quite well in London and and in Melbourne. So, you know, good for them. Um, I wanted to also get from you this morning ideas about good service and... We just had to get hold of, of um, Dr. Wolf. As soon as he comes through, we will be in touch with you. But in the meantime, I wanted to find out uh, from you, as I do a couple of times uh, that I've in, 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 a, in a few months, um, is about good service. Uh, I wanted to know about examples that you have had in recent times of, of good service. Where, where have you been that you've had really outstanding service? It could be in a restaurant. It could be in a, a place where you don't expect like, um, like, like somewhere like City Hall, you know, somewhere like municipalities. Um, you might be talking about telecom. You don't expect really to get good service because there's so many reports of horrendous service at places like telecom. But there are some good ones as well. And I personally have experienced really really good service at Telcom. I've had bad service as well, but I've uh, had some really good service. I'd like to know from you uh, where the where you've received good service. What is what is an example for you of good service? Have you uh, had experience of it? Have you been somewhere where they have really gone out of their way to help you? And if, if that is the case, um, then I'd like to hear from you. And let's give a bit of kudos to people who deserve it because, you know, service is not – good service is not hard to give. Uh, it just means you've got to be concerned about your customer, I suppose. My example of, of good service in telecom was uh, when I went into the telecom shop. There is one in, uh, in Rosebank, uh, in the Rosebank Mall. Um, and I went in there uh, to, to get a query answered. And, you know, there was somebody actually standing at the door – waiting for customers come in to come in. As you walk in, uh, this lady said to me, uh, good morning, how can we help you? And I said, I'd like to just find out, please, about uh, this particular query. Yes, indeed, sir, would you go and take a seat over there and uh, we'll get somebody to help you as soon as possible. It shouldn't take too long, uh, but please, if, you know, if you, if you get concerned, then just let me know. And every few minutes she came over to me and said, you're right there, sir, it shouldn't be too long. You'll be two people before you and they'll, they'll take you. So, and I could, not, I could not believe what I was hearing, that here was this, this telecom employee who was being so nice and kind um, and, and saying to me, you know, please, sir, are you comfortable and how can we help you? And it wasn't just me. I mean, there's nothing special about me at all, but uh, it's just that as other people came in, she was doing the same thing. Uh, she was 
talking to them as well and saying, good morning, how can we help you? And please sit down. I just love it. I think that is, that is so special. It doesn't take a lot, you know. It doesn't take uh, anything to – it doesn't take a lot of effort to do that kind of thing. I just think it's brilliant. And you see that occasionally with, with stores as well. And I think, I think our shops are much maligned. You know, they, they sort of battle to send out the message that they give good service. And some of them do and, and, and a lot of them don't. But there are some real pockets of really good service. And I think we should, we should actually applaud those people. Uh, so if you've had good service experience, then I'd like to know from you what service experience you had that's been really worthwhile. We're battling to get through to um, our guest for some reason or other. I don't know what the reason is, but we're battling to get through. So as soon as we get hold of him, and he is Dr. Eddie Wolf, we will put him on air. In the meantime, we're kind of charging around because uh, <laughs> the controller, Carabo, is running between one studio and the next um, to try and get it organized. So we're in a bit of a bit of a pickle here this morning but we'll be okay you know we'll 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 make it through um that comment about Kheri Kutsia from some listener who wanted to know it was Sue in Pinelands who wanted to know where Kheri Kutsia is there have been other sms's about that uh, about where he is as I was saying earlier some people say that he's dead um he passed away which is um not true he is actually according to the website he is living in. He's retired. Where he's, whether he's still in Joburg or Boxburg, I don't know. But he, that he has actually retired. Uh, SMS says Trump has never been to Africa. The Clinton have been here often and loved Mandela. The Clintons have been here often. Yeah, he's never been to Africa. I don't know whether that's going to make a difference, but I, I don't think he has any experience in international relations. Um, if he has, it's it's certainly very limited. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't think he's going to get in. Hopefully not anyway. That's just my view. Errol, the hope of many South Africans has been crushed. They're depressed and irrational. That is why they resort to any type of, any form of suicide, including burning of buildings. That's from Monica Mapetla. Yeah, I, I just, um, I, I think that perhaps we are more depressed than other Nations, I don't know. We're going to try and get that information from Eddie, who we're battling to get hold of. Um, but let's. Uh, there's another call here, another SMS from Liz, who says, "Morning, Errol. A number of weeks ago, a flexo board was mentioned. Where can I get one? Thanks. That's from Liz in Pretoria. Um, Liz, I haven't got that information with me right now, uh, but it is from uh, somebody who markets them in Cape Town." Uh, and I don't have his his number with me, but if he calls through, then I will certainly uh, give you his details. And in fact, I'll give out the details when he does phone, uh, whether it's this week or next week, I will give out the details because occasionally I do get asked by somebody. A flexo board, it's, a, it's like a big disc. Um, it's about half a meter across and it's got little bubbles on it, little bubbles, little, little knobs on it. And what happens is that you... Um, you walk on this thing, and it, it massages your feet. And so, uh, you know, it's supposed to make you feel a whole lot better and increase the circulation. In fact, it is Jeff. He's just calling in right now. Jeff in Roy Else, but I can't give you his number. We're battling with these lines, but here we go. I think we finally got Dr. Eddie Wolf up as a guest. Hi, Eddie. Good morning to you. Are you there? Hello. 
Hello, Errol. Hello. Yes. I've been, I'm actually quite worried because I can't get through to you. You can't get through to me. Well, it, it's the wonders <laughs> of modern technology, but thank goodness you're here now. Uh, thank you for joining us. That's... Uh, Prof. Eddie Wolf, Dr. Eddie Wolf, and he's our guest for the next, well, now it's about 45 minutes, but, but we'll, we'll still have lots to talk about and we'll get through. So, Eddie, thank you for joining us. The numbers to dial 011-883-0702 or 021-446-0567. Or you can SMS 31702 or 31567. So, um, we're going to be talking about depression. Eddie, I've been getting SMSs from various people. Are we more are we are more of, more of a depressed nation than than any other nation. Do you know? Are we a, are we a bunch of miserable South Africans? I don't think we're a bunch of miserable South Africans because the uh, statistics show that we actually uh, are less depressed than the average American. Given oh, interesting. The presidential race, of course, uh, we were. the The important point is that South Africa used to be much lower in incidence of depression as a nation uh, than, for instance, the United States, uh, Nigeria, etc. Uh, we have like a, a prevalence. In other words, the incidence, the amount of South Africans that are depressed, uh, if you take in a 12-month period, uh, 5% of all South Africans uh, will have suffered from clinical depression. In other words, depression, not just as a mood state, not just mm. as the occasional sadness that we have, but as a persistent uh, medical condition. And South Africans over their lifetime, in other words, any uh, given uh, amount of South Africans will have a 1 in 10 chance of developing a uh, depressive disorder as a medical condition uh, over their lifetime. So, yes, we, we, we are a depressed nation. There, there is a slight increase uh, in the incidence thereof, and it would seem... Uh, to uh, be comorbid or correlate with economic and political conditions. So we, we are susceptible to stress as, as South Africans. Now, can we just define uh, what we're talking about, depression? Because you hear people say, I feel so depressed. Um, it's, it's kind of similar to somebody who says, I've got such flu and all they've got really is a cold. So the feeling of hopelessness and, and, and helplessness does not indicate depression. We all feel like that occasionally. And the difference that I think you, you're making is that if it affects, if it impacts your your life, your day-to-day uh, running of your life, that could be clinical depression. Absolutely. Uh, the um, criteria that we use is that if you have a, a depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day, uh, feelings, in other words, of sadness, emptiness, hopelessness uh, for at least a period of two weeks, that is clinical depression. However, we all suffer from a low mood or a sad mood uh, from time to time related to things as such as uh, the loss of a loved one or uh, somebody bumps into our car or, or a, a taxi break in. jumps in the road. <laughs> <Or laughs> absolutely. So we, we all have low mood. In other words, depression can be a state of mind or a state of emotion for most of us. But that's not depression as a clinical entity. Mm. Depression as a clinical entity, as you uh, so correctly said, uh, means that it must be a depressed mood most of the day and it must affect your functioning in your family or in your home environment 
or in society, and it must include a lot of other things. It must affect your sleep. You must sleep either a lot more than usual or a lot less than usual, and you are sort of agitated psychologically, uh, or you are totally slow and unresponsive, and huge feelings of fatigue, loss of energy, feelings of worthlessness, or uh, excessive or inappropriate guilt, uh, difficulties with concentrating, and then uh, a, a lot of the time people have recurrent thoughts of death. Uh, not just the fear of dying, but ideas of, I would be better off if I was dead. I, I just can't handle this. So depression as an illness, uh, and this is affects everybody uh, uh, for the past year, not everybody, but a, a one in 20 for the past year as a incidence of South African uh, uh, population. So, yes, depression is a very, very real problem in this country. All right, thanks. We're talking to Dr. Eddie Wolf. We'll be back after this. Call us on 011-883-0702 or 021-446-0567. We're talking to Dr. Eddie Wolf, a clinical psychologist, and taking your calls and SMSs. Um, Eddie, I've got an SMS here from somebody who says, I uh, do hope you get in touch with Dr. Eddie, have stayed up for this interview. I want to know the difference between depression and anxiety. would love to have his opinion. Interesting question. Is there a big difference? Uh, yes, actually, uh, in terms of its clinical manifestations, in terms of how we feel, uh, depression is characterized by a low mood or emptiness or sadness most of the day, whereas anxiousness is a feeling of being wound up or tense, uh, subject to feeling of great distress. Uh, you're afraid of things. You have anticipation of things going wrong. Uh, you are tense. You often have increased heart rate, and uh, you often have like sweaty hands, dryness in the mouth, dizziness in the head. So there's quite a significant depression between anxiety and depression, although mostly they co-occur. In other words, they, they, if you have depression, you also have a degree of anxiety and the other way around. They can co-occur and there are some similarities, although they are distinctive different uh, illnesses. If I can uh, bring it down to the simplest degree, Anxiety is a feeling of persistent uh, tension and stress. Mm. Depression is a low, sad mood that drags you down. Okay, that, that's fairly clear. You mentioned earlier recurring thoughts of death or, or suicide. Um, this is, is this a classic symptom of, of depression? And does it mean that you're actually planning it? Or does it, does it mean I cannot cope anymore? I don't want to be on this planet. Uh, it is a classic symptom uh, in terms of when you are diagnosed with depression. It is it is one of the standard uh, issues that come up uh, very, very often. In other words, it's a classic uh, symptom that we use in a diagnosis thereof. However, uh, thoughts of wanting to die or I would be better off of being dead uh, is a part of depression, but it is not... Uh, clearly indicative of it. People do not want to actually die. They just think about dying. Mm. It's not that they are now planning to kill themselves. They just feel, uh, I would be better off if I were dead. 
Right. How does one recognize then if you are depressed uh, or if you are just feeling a little down? I know you've spoken about it's got to affect, it's got to impact your daily life. Uh, you must have this constant feeling of, or the majority of the time you must feel uh, worthless or, or, or helpless. But how do you know if you're in that moment that, that you are actually depressed? I think the... Uh easiest way would be, and I'm going to mention a few things, uh, if you have uh, five or more of the following symptoms, and I'm going to just spell out there nine of them, mm-hmm. one is depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day, uh, feelings of sadness, emptiness, and hopelessness. The second one is diminished interest or pleasure in all or most activities. The third one is a difference in weight, significant weight loss or weight gain. Then the fourth one is if you have difficulty sleeping, you have too too large a need for sleep or too little a need for sleep, or you are agitated, you can't sit still, you you must do something, or you just don't want to do something, you just want to sit on the couch and just sit and do nothing. Mm -hmm. The other interesting thing is uh, just feelings of fatigue or loss of energy and then feelings of worthlessness or guilt about everything, difficulties in concentration is the eighth one. And the last one is recurrent thoughts of death. If you have five or more of these uh, markers or characteristics, then you are clinically depressed. Again, as you said, as opposed to just the normal feelings of transient depression that we all have from time to time. Mm. Let's go to the Lions and talk to Lawrence in Cape Town. Uh, Hi, Lawrence, are you with us? Hey, how are you doing? Fine, thanks, and you? Yeah, yeah. Up all night. (laughs) I'm so excited to speak to the doctor because actually this is not about depression. Yes. This is about depression versus anxiety. And and how do they fall in the same category? So my story just, I don't know how long I have, but it's like been a year. Mm. Um, I just sort of symptomized with severe chest pain. Thought I was having a heart attack, rushed off to the doctor. I drove myself, of course, because that's what I do. And no heart attack and chest pain can't be resolved, can't swallow. Um, eventually landed up on a doctor's desk having thinking I was dying. And uh, she said to me, you're okay. You're just having a panic attack. And she gave me the same sort of medicine that you would treat someone who was depressed with. Mm. Um, you know, like Arapax, for mm. example, Dr. Eddie. And um, I want to know the difference between anxiety and depression. Because if you treat the same medicine with the same condition, how do you know the difference? And, and, and I've heard your symptoms and you've said, and all those things you've said, I'm not mm. depressed, I'm a very happy girl, I, you know, but I do suffer from anxiety, but we treat the same with the other. And what are your thoughts? All I mean, right. I mean, I, sorry, I'm going to, sorry, I need to say again, this has been a year process, so yes. chest pain went through CAT scans, I went through CAT, CAT scans, MRIs on my chest, I'm perfectly healthy. Mm. I can't swallow correctly, and I have chest pain, but I'm fine. Um, hello. Right, let, let's hear what uh, what Eddie has to say about that, Eddie. Cool. Lawrence, I'm so glad you called in because uh, you definitely set the standard here. Uh, 
the, the, the difference between anxiety and depression is quite clear, and your symptoms are definitely that of a panic disorder. In other words, uh, you get the chest pain, sometimes your heart will beat too fast or in an irregular manner, you'll have sweaty hands, you feel dizzy, shortness of breath, and it will persist. And if it persists long enough, you may get depressed because you might start feeling helpless and you can't do anything about it. Now, the issue here that you have uh, with, with, with using Aeropax, and uh, Aeropax is a, is, a, is a very early medication that people used to use for uh, depression, but it also works works for anxiety. In other words, both anxiety and depression are mood dysregulation. In other words, your mood is dysregulated. Mood dysregulation disorders, however, uh, any medication such as uh, Prozac or Aropax, and I'm not now punting the products, it's just as in general use, uh, mm-hmm. they tend to regulate or stabilize your mood so that you feel less anxious you feel less panicky, but it is also used when your mood is dysregulated by persistent sadness or lowness or dark, desperate feelings. In other words, the medication that you use is used to regulate your mood or regulate your emotions. Mm. And that's why they've prescribed that for you. But that medicine actually caused a chronic disease for me, which I now have to live with for the rest of my life in terms of a chronic colitis. In other words, it's created lymphocytes in my in my colon. So I suffered from, oh God, I'm on the radio, severe diarrhea. Okay, and I actually thought, oh my Lord, what am I going through? So that actually caused more depression. So I weaned myself off the medicine, which let me tell you, was not easy. Mm. That was like brain shocks in my head. I should have locked myself in a room for three weeks because that was like, what? Mm. That stuff is bad. Eddie, and then I thought, sorry. okay, I mean, I'm so anxious. I'm mm. so anxious. Mm. So what do you do? Eddie, is, What's the is, that, is that a fact that uh, medication like that can cause that kind of uh, physical disturbance? It can be oh, a side yes. effect. Okay, yeah. so, so I went for a colonoscopy and they detected leukocytes and they said it was probably most likely from the medication uh so so then what do you do you know someone is anxious so what do you go on do you go on benzos do you you know what do you do i mean how do you pull yourself back when you're having you can't swallow and you can't breathe what do you take how do you what do you do do i meditate i mean hello i mean i don't want to be on this stuff all right let's get uh, let's get eddie's comments on that now, uh, Lawrence, uh, you know, I had a premonition that, that, that you're going to bring out the important issues that, that we need to discuss this morning. Now, firstly, what, what, what has happened to you is uh, most people who suffer from panic disorder also develop symptoms of physiologic disorders, such as with your colon, uh, they develop uh, like that, that tightness in the throat that you described, tightness in the chest, they have heart palpitations. In other words, panic disorder and fear of and actual development of illness symptoms are very, very common. And it's for that reason that when, whenever a doctor diagnoses depression, in addition to the medication that they give you, they often refer you to a psychologist who will also treat you psychologically. 
And the combination of medication and psychological treatment is often the best. However, and I need to add something in here, most or uh, or a significant amount of the medications used for the treatment of depression will also increase your level of activation. In other words, level of tension. Uh, it's, It's called an activating form of antidepressant medication, and it can actually increase your level of tension or anxiety. And that's why doctors then uh, switch you to another kind of antidepressant that is a more calming or relaxing antidepressant. So doctors have to uh, choose very, very carefully uh, when they put you on medication and they often ask you to come back in two to three weeks to see if the effect of that medication is not perhaps that it's increased your anxiety uh, but actually decrease the level of anxiety. So you have panic disorder, but you've become helpless and it's developed into somatic or physiological disorders. So the doctor will have to take another look at your medication and perhaps also suggest you visit a psychologist. Interesting question. Um, yeah, thank you for that, Lawrence. Uh, I think that's very interesting indeed. I hope that was helpful to you. Uh, I want to know um, from you, Eddie, w- w- about family dynamics um, here, support for, for somebody who, who is depressed. First of all, uh, for for me, it it must be a, a bit of a a problem, a huge problem for the person who is is in that state because you you would get probably from most people comments like just get over it, um, pull yourself together, uh, you know, don't you know how lucky you are? Those kind of things. Now, th- am, am I right in saying that that is that is actually completely destructive to say that kind of thing to somebody? And and a rider on that is the opposite is where where does the family Family support, friends support, where does that come in and how important is it? Uh, family support and friend support is extremely important uh, for the following reasons. Uh, depression is a bi-directional illness. In other words, conflict or problems in the family can cause you to become depressed. On the other hand, if you are depressed, the whole family suffers from it because they find that you are low in mood, you are irritable, you withdraw from them. And then they say, as you said, pull yourself together. But the person who has depression often just doesn't realize it. And it is firstly reflected in how that person interacts with the family. So the family says, you're behaving differently from before. You can't do this. Now this person now feels more guilty because she or he is feeling depressed. And then the family says to you, you know, just get over it. Just get on with life. Look at you. You've got everything. You've got a roof over your head, food, everything that's nice in life. And then you feel even more guilty because you say, I have all these nice things. Why am I feeling so horrible? You are suffering from depression, which uh, is a condition that you have no control over and you need uh, uh, medical and psychological help for it. Okay. I'll be talking to Dr. Eddie Wolf, clinical psychologist. We'll be back with your calls and SMSs after this. Call us on 011-883-0702 or 021-446-0567. Or you can SMS on 31702 or 31567. Let's take some of these SMSs now. Uh, Jasmine wants to know, is Wellbutrin a good antidepressant? Uh, yes, well, is a very good uh, antidepressant in the sense that 
if we look at the physiology or the biochemistry of depression, uh, three uh, neurotransmitters or neurohormones are involved. Uh, that's norepinephrine, dopamine, and serotonin. And wellbutrin uh, helps not only with the uh, increased uh, presence of uh, serotonin in the central nervous system, but also the increased presence uh, of dopamine in the central nervous system. In other words, it, it helps you, it attacks two of the neuromodulators of depression and is therefore quite an effective depression, uh, antidepressant, mm. uh, de- depending on the following, that it, it, it can make you slightly more anxious because it gives you more energy. So if you have co-occurring depression and anxiety, it might make you slightly more anxious. Uh, but if anxiety is not a significant uh, factor in your depression, uh, then it, it is a brilliant antidepressant. Yeah. Interesting SMS from Pete who says, is alcohol a depressant? <laughs> a lot of people would yeah. say, yes, it is. I don't know, what, what is the professional view? <laughs> alcohol has two effects. Um, if you have, yeah, because alcohol affects the, uh, the, the brain function, the function of, of the cerebrum or the, that little cortex right on top of our brains. Now, if you are an anxious, depressed person, it, alcohol intake in moderation will significantly depress the uh, activity uh, in your cortex and it will, on a temporary basis, make you feel better. However, alcohol is also a depressant if taken in more than uh, small amounts and will therefore deepen your depression. So on the short term, it might make a couple of drinks might make you feel better. Mm. If you take it continuously, it will make you feel worse. So it has a complex interaction with your depression. It's, it's uh, seen as an easy way out, though, to drown your sorrows, so to speak, isn't that so? But the long-term effect is just the opposite. Absolutely. The long-term effect is that it will make you more depressed. Short-term, uh, if you come home at night and you really feel sad and low, a couple of drinks will make you feel better on the short term. Mm-hmm. However, on the long term, if you do it every evening, you will get significantly more depressed because you're not dealing with the depression or the causes thereof. And therefore, on the long-term, alcohol is definitely not indicated. Uh, there's a very nice saying that goes... Champagne at night, real pain in the morning. <laughs> I love it. Champagne at night, real pets. I like my gut. Question from Sandra uh, for you, Eddie. It says, I am 70, run a business for the disadvantaged South Africans. I am worried every day. I'm sick all day and every day because I worry about money every day. Is it depression or anxiety? I think it is uh, anxiety that turned into depression because if you worry about money most of the day every day it means that you are creating or you're living in a situation where more is expected of you than you can actually do and if that happens you are tense most of the day and if that tension is not resolved in other words if you can't get out of that uh, feeling of tension you will become helpless and over the long term and that's a few months you will become depressed and you might remain in that state until you get either psychological and or medical help for it. 
Um, she says also she has infections all the time. Is that is that a side? Is that caused by anxiety? Uh, anxiety uh, and depression uh, over the long term will have an impact on the physiology of your body, and you will be more susceptible to infections. For instance, uh, it, it, it's been found with great regularity that if you are grieving the death of a beloved. Uh, you are more prone to falling ill as uh, depression and anxiety will have an impact on your body's ability, your immunologic response to fight uh, the onset of a bacterial or viral uh, onset of disease. Mm. Most certainly it has an effect. There's another side to this, though, isn't there, Eddie? I mean, somebody once said you can change your whole way of life by changing your attitude of mind. And is it true that if we were to think differently about things, if we were to, if our brain functioned in a different way, more positive way, we wouldn't have depression or anxiety? I mean, that, that's a big theory, but is, is that right? Uh, it, it, it's in principle absolutely right. Now, uh, but it's not a quick fix. A lot of the so-called cognitive behavior therapies say to you, uh, if you can change your thinking you can most certainly not be, be depressed or not be anxious and have a much more healthy lifestyle. However, there's, a, there's something that happens before that. You need to become aware of your thinking. In other words, it's called, the fancy word is called metacognition. You need to go in and say, how am I thinking about my thinking and my life? If you interpret everything that happens to you in a negative or stressful way. In other words, everything is horrible, terrible, too much for you. Eventually, your whole process of interpreting what's happening to you, your way of thinking about life and your way of acting in life will then result in a chronic uh, amount of negative thinking and you will have a depressed or anxious mood. And if you then change that thinking, but it's just not as simple as I'm, sounding now. It's a very mm. complex process of changing how you think, but it has to happen on a daily basis, most of the day, every day, for a long time before it has an effect on your mood. It, it's a hard thing to do. The theory might be right, but uh, it, it could take you a lifetime to get there. Huh? Absolutely. Um, and what I need to uh, uh, warn is the fact that we mustn't take up a self-help book and say, you know, uh, uh, five easy steps on uh, getting rid of your depression, anxiety, and debt. Mm. <laughs> you know, that if you only think differently, you're going to feel better. It's not as easy as that. Mm. It, mm. Uh, it, it's a very complex process in learning how to identify your typical ways of thinking about life and feeling about life. Uh, and if you then can identify how you think, then you can change that thinking uh, and ultimately you will start feeling better and you'll become more active and involved in your own life. Mm. Just as an aside, uh, somebody earlier was looking for the distributor of the Reflexo board. Um, if you phone in now to Carabo on 011-883-0702, she'll be able to give you Jeff's uh, cell number, put you in touch with Jeff. Um, all right, let's have a look then, 
Eddie, because uh, we, we've got about eight minutes left, let's have a look at what we can actually do. I mean, it, it's the sufferers know how they feel. Uh, they, they know that they're not feeling right somehow. Uh, what, what, are, what is the... the what is the process forward? Uh, and there, there could be many. It could be multifaceted. You could have counseling. You could have medication. Uh, you could have church groups, uh, support groups, family, friends. Um, what's the way forward for anybody like that? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about general self-help first, and then I'm going to go into specifics. Mm-hmm. If you have a persistent low mood, then uh, the following will definitely help. You can, if you take more exercise, that will improve your mood, but it will have to be significant exercise. In other words, go to a gym with a personal trainer or go for long, fast walks or runs or, or, or rowing or bicycling so that you increase your heart rate significantly uh, for at least uh, 15 to 20 minutes per day. That will have a significant effect on your mood. Secondly, uh, if you have church groups or friend, friends groups or you run in a group or you cycle in a group, uh, any group activity where you interact with people will tend to lift your mood. Thirdly, you need to engage in more pleasurable activities. And I'm not saying now spend lots of money to do nicer things. I'm talking like just nice things to do. Go for a walk in the park on a regular basis. Uh, do, do, do things that usually elevate your mood. Those things will make your depression better. If, however, they don't, then you realize you've got a clinical depression. Then you need to seek medical and psychological attention to either take medication that will change the biochemical substrate of your depression and or change your style of thinking and feeling uh, about your life situation. And then uh, what that kind of help will also do is it'll help you look at the causes or the basis of your depressed mood and once you've identified them you can change them either chemically and or psychologically okay um it is let me rephrase this is it also true that by reaching out by helping those who are less fortunate it gives you a different perspective of, of your life and your situation and can be very beneficial to you? Absolutely. Uh, helping others has been shown to be the most wonderful way of getting out of your own depression. And not only that, helpers or caregivers, if they are in a role where they can help other people, where they do things for people, tend to be healthier both mentally and physically. Uh, in general. So helping people, reaching out to other people will definitely uh, help with depression, provided it's not a clinical depression where you need to seek a more professional help. Mm. Uh, somebody wants to know, can you please repeat the name of the good antidepressant that Eddie recommended after a caller asked his opinion? That's from Paul in four ways. You were talking about a number of things. What was the, the brand name? If there was Prozac um, you mentioned. Yeah, uh, uh, I would be hesitant because there are many, uh, and I mean literally a huge amount of very good antidepressants on the market. However, not all of the antidepressant medications are good for people in general. In other words, you need to see 
a physician who is really good at managing medica- uh, managing depression mm. and or a psychiatrist where they will choose the specific antidepressant mm. that is best suited for the type of depression that you have and also the type of person that you are. So uh, I would be hesitant to, to recommend any uh, antidepressant. And, uh, that would depend on yeah. the individual. And, and, and in any event, it's not over-the-counter stuff where you can go in and say, I want a box of Prozac, because you're not going to get it. No. No, yeah, no you definitely won't. It's a highly scheduled drug, yes. and it has to be prescribed by a physician, uh, being a general practitioner and or a psychiatrist or a specialist physician who will... Uh, uh, get the right de- antidepressant for your personality and your type of depression. Right. Ian from Boxburg says, I take 40 milligrams Nuzac and 10 milligrams Urbanol every day. When and how can I stop taking meds? I've been on them now for five years. Uh, the important thing is to visit your doctor because after five years, uh, a lot of the uh, benzodiazepines, which is the Urbanol, and the antidepressants, which is the other one, that he, the Nuzac, which mm-hmm. is Prozac by another name, uh, you get used to it and you need to, to, to visit your physician to help you to uh, either change the medication and to see if that doesn't help and or to, to determine whether you can now cope without the uh, biochemical help that you've been using for five years. Yes. So you need to do it very, very carefully very slowly, because if you now suddenly just stop, you're going to have a rebound depression and anxiety condition, because the urbanol is for the anxiety, and the Nuzac or fluoxetine is for the depression. So you need to uh, uh, get yourself off of them one at a time, very slowly, under uh, the close supervision and guidance of a psychologist or a, a doctor, physician, GP, and or psychiatrist. And then uh, June or Jane, what, Dr. Woody, what do you think of Indoblock for anxiety? Uh, Indoblock for anxiety uh, is a so-called uh, beta-adrenergic blocker, which means it blocks the peripheral or, the, or the, the feelings in your body of anxiety. It doesn't take away central anxiety, which is situated in your brain, but it takes away the effects of that anxiety on your bodily reactions, such as perspiration, heart mm. beating, tightness, lipses, dizziness, etc. Okay, we are out of time. Gosh, that has flown. Uh, there are so many more SMSs that have come through that unfortunately we're not able to take. But, Eddie, can you give our listeners uh, some website or contact detail for you? Uh, I would... Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm sure your, your call screener or the website will have my telephone number. Uh, I would, I would, I would uh, feel bad about giving it out because that, that would give me an, an advantage over my colleagues, which I don't want. But, but in general, a very good rule is to approach SADAC, the South African oh, yes. Depression and Anxiety Group, yeah. because they are a hugely helpful group. I think they're the best possible group to okay. uh, get in touch with if you have depression and or anxiety. Do you have their number offhand? Unfortunately uh, not. I apologize, but it's S-A-D-A-G. It's on, it's on the website, yeah. South African yes. Depression and Anxiety Group. Thanks so much. Eddie, thanks so much for being with us this morning. We will certainly get you in quite soon again. Uh, that's Dr. Eddie Wolf, clinical psychologist, and uh, thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you very much, Errol. It was great being with you. Thank you. Cheers.